guys a couple of minutes to jump on today. Very excited about our topic. Going to preach the gospel today. My favorite thing on the planet to do because a lot of people haven't heard it. It's so good. It's such good news that I get pumped up every time I talk about it. And so I'm actually today, give you guys a few moments to jump on, uh, say hi. Hi, 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 Stacy. Say hi, you guys, as you hop on. Today I'm going to be teaching out of uh, the book of Colossians, but I, you know, I have it all on my phone, but I thought I'd bring in my little individual passion books. This is, the, this is the passion translation of the epistles. It's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and First and Second Timothy uh, from the passion translation. And you can buy these as individual books. And if you haven't done that, I really recommend that you do that. I recommend to my students that we do this because sometimes, you know, now we use electronics to look at our Bible, which is awesome. Or we have a big Bible, which is awesome. Hey, Celeste. Hey, Deborah. Uh, but sometimes I just like to have an actual book. And the thing I love about these and the way that they're broken out is that today I'm going to be teaching on Colossians. And I just want to go here for a sec. In Colossians, I'm coming back here to that letter. Let me just show you how quick it, how little it is. <laughs> this much of this little book is Colossians. I don't know if I can get that with my camera. It's not a lot. It's a little thin. It's just a few pages. It's like, I'm looking, it's from page 85 to 98, and it's just not very many pages. And so you can read like an entire book of the Bible. And I don't know, when I read it in a real Bible or when I read it on my phone, I always just feel like it's so thick and fat. <laughs> and here, this is like, oh my gosh, a real book, and it's just a few pages. So, hey, hey, you guys, I'm glad you're joining, Lisa. Uh, how do, I'm trying to remember how you say it. Is it? Aisha, I want to say it right. Phonetically spell it for me if you can. But hey, you guys, I'm so glad you're here. Anyway, uh, I love the translation of the Passion Translation, and I love the fact that it comes in like an actual book. So I'm going to preach the gospel today, and I'm really going to be focusing in on Colossians 1. I might hop further into Colossians 2. I'm not sure. But mostly I'm going to start in Colossians 1 today or hang out around Colossians 1 today. So I really want you to go and read this for yourself later, maybe check out a few more translations. But my goal is to talk about really the scope of what Jesus accomplished on the cross for you, for me, for everyone on the planet, and for the planet and for the universe. I know it's, um, that's, a, that's a mouthful, but it's way better than we thought. It's definitely better than we've been taught if you are pretty much immersed in Western evangelical Christianity, which is where most of us uh, kind of swim. You know, some of us swim over on maybe the charismatic side and the spirit-filled side. A lot of the folks that join the group may, you know, on, on the more uh, just traditional evangelical side. But Regardless, very few people have really heard the gospel as the Apostle Paul actually intended for it to be shared. So let me, let me pray, and then we're going to hop in. So, Father, I thank you for this live today. I thank you for all of the amazing people that you have connected in this group that are hungry for intimacy with you, that are hungry for the truth, that are hungry to discover their purpose and live their purpose and make a difference in the world and accurately represent you to those that don't know you and are tired. They're tired of religion. They're tired of, uh, I don't know, just uh, uh, rules. They're tired of something that is not uh, authentic authentically experiential and in a way that changes the world the way that you change the world, Jesus. Uh, and the Apostle Paul changed the world, and the early church changed the world, Father. And I'm not meaning to be critical, Father, I just, I just know it's better than we've been taught. I know that it's better than we've believed. And I, I just thank you that you're going to speak today, Holy Spirit. We just yield to you. You are the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. You are the spirit that makes the scriptures come alive and become sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we rely on you. And so I just bless every person, Father, that's watching live that's going to be watching the replay, and I just thank you that you're just going to make this clear, make it simple, make it easy to grasp, so that we can actually 
uh, be transformed by it in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to start reading. It says here, uh, verse one, my name is Paul and I have been chosen by Jesus Christ to be his apostle by the calling and the determined purpose of God. Now I'm going to stop there for just a minute. I may just interrupt my reading because you could insert your name there in verse one and say, hi, my name is Shalice and I've been chosen by Jesus Christ to be his. And you could insert the blank. Okay. Because you have been chosen by Jesus, by Jesus Christ, not just to be his bride, not just to be his body, not just to live in union with him, but he's got a purpose for you. And it says here by the calling and the destined purpose of God, God has a calling for you. God has a destiny and a purpose for you. Okay. My colleague, and this is from my colleague, Timothy, uh, it says, my, Tim, my, my colleague Timothy and I send this letter to all of the holy believers who have been united in Jesus as beloved followers of the Messiah. May God, our true Father, release, as, uh, release upon your lives the riches of his kind favor and heavenly peace through the Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Verse 3, it says, every time we pray for you, our hearts overflow with thanksgiving to Father God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your devoted lives of faith and the tender love that you have for all of his holy believers. And from the first time we heard about your conversation until now, your conversion, sorry, until the first time we heard about your conversion until now, we faithfully prayed for you. That you would access your destiny through the, all of the treasures of your inheritance stored up in the heavenly realm. Now, I'm going to stop there because this is an incredible statement and it really is my prayer for everyone that that is coming into this group and that is a part of my world at this point because we're connected via the power of social media but here's what the apostle paul prayed he said i prayed that you would access your destiny through all the treasures of your inheritance stored up in the heavenly realm so what a powerful thing that you would access your destiny, that you would access your purpose, that you would access your calling and that you would access that through all of the treasures that are in your inheritance in Christ that are up in the heavenly realm. It says for the revelation of the true gospel is as real today as the day you first heard of our glorious hope now that you have believed in the truth of the gospel. So there is the revelation of the true gospel is what we're talking about today. It says, verse six, this is the wonderful message that is being spread everywhere, powerfully changing hearts throughout the earth, just like it changed you. Every believer of this good news bears the fruit of eternal life as they experience the reality of God's grace. Let me say it again. Every believer of the gospel bears the fruit of eternal life as they experience the reality of God's grace. Verse seven, um, let me see, it says, our beloved coworker, Epaphras, I don't know if I'm saying that right, it's a Greek name, was there from the beginning to thoroughly teach you the astonishing revelation of the gospel. I can always depend on him for he serves you faithfully as Christ's representative. He's informed us of the many, many wonderful ways love is being demonstrated through your lives by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. In verse nine, it says, since we first heard about you, we've kept you always in our prayers that you would receive the perfect knowledge of God's pleasure over your lives, making reservoirs of every kind of wisdom and spiritual understanding. Okay, I'm gonna stop here for a moment because I know I'm reading to you, but these words are life. These words are so good. They are such good news. I'm, I'm, I don't care that I'm reading to you. And again, I want you to grab this translation and I want you to read it for yourselves because we need to marinate in the goodness of God and in the goodness of the gospel. So just bear with me. I'm reading with you because I want you to get it. In verse 10, it says, we pray that you would walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing you do. Then you'll, becoming, you'll become fruit-bearing branches, yielding to his life and maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in his fullness. I'm going to say it again. My prayer, the Apostle Paul's prayer, we all agree, I'm assuming, 
that we would walk in the ways of true righteousness, pleasing God in every good thing that we do, and that we would become fruit-bearing branches, yielding to his life, maturing in the rich experience of knowing God in his fullness. Verse 11, and we pray that you would be energized with all of his explosive power from the realm of his magnificent glory, filling you with great hope. Now, when you go back and read this, verse 9 here through 11, I think it's a great idea to go back and highlight some of the uh, results and some of the fruit or experiences that, that, that you should be experiencing as a result of knowing the true gospel. I'm not going to go in there and highlight them right now, but there are some tangible things that we should be uh, possessing in our life. And that should be pre- being produced through our lives when we understand the true gospel. And a lot of times, the reason those things aren't happening, it's not because we aren't trying. In fact, trying is not the goal. Uh, it's, it's because we don't really have a revelation of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross for us, what the gospel actually means. And so, therefore, we don't even know what it means to be a fruit-bearing branch. We don't know what it means to abide in Christ. We don't know what it means to live in union with him. And so, therefore, the fruit that's coming out of our lives is mostly self-effort or it's mostly us trying to be, you know, do the right thing and read the Bible and do it. It's just a completely different version of Christianity than what the gospel declares over us. In verse 12, it says, your hearts can soar with grateful gratitude, joyful gratitude, when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us. This is what every holy believer is qualified to experience by living in the light. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. For in the son, remember, which is where we live because we're in union with him, all of our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through the ransom price he paid his very blood. In verse 15, talking about Jesus, it says he is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God, the firstborn heir of all creation. For through the Son, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth, and all that is seen and all that is unseen Every seat of power, realm of government, principality, and authority, it was all created through him. And for his purpose, I want to underline his purpose again. It says he, Jesus, existed before anything was made. And so now everything finds its completion or finds completion in him. Now, I want to stop here for a moment, and I'm going to hop over to another version of Colossians 1. I'm going to go over to the Amplified Version, and I'm going to read this particular scripture in the Amplified Version. And the reason I'm going to do that is because it amplifies some very powerful points that I want to bring out, okay? In verse 17, I want to read this to you in the Amplified Version. It says this. It says, and he, again, talking about Jesus, existed and is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Okay, then talking about Jesus, it says, he is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. Okay, that was the amplification. Let me read it again. Jesus, I'm going to say it this way, is the controlling, cohesive force of the universe. Okay, now I'm going to go back over to the Passion and just read a little bit more. It says, verse 18, he is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and firstborn, heir in resurrection, he must always be embraced as the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. It says, for God is satisfied to have all of his fullness dwelling in Christ. Okay, that's referring to the Trinity, that for God, for the Father is pleased, right? He's satisfied to have the entire Trinity, the fullness of the Godhead dwelling inside of Christ. And verse 20, it says, and by the blood of the cross, 
everything in heaven and earth is restored and brought back to himself, back to his or its original intent and restored to innocence again. Okay, I want you to highlight with everything in you verse 20. Literally, this is where we're going we're gonna to spend a lot of time today. Verse 20 says, and by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is restored and brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. This is so far reaching and so revolutionary and so under taught. Okay, I'm going to come back to that verse in a second and talk about what we're typically taught versus what this says in just a moment. But verse 21 says, even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadow of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God because he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. And then it says, if indeed you continue to advance in the faith, assured of the firm foundation to grow upon, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you believed in and this glorious news that I preach all over the world. In verse 24, it says, I can even celebrate the sorrows I've experienced on your behalf. For as I join with you in your difficulties, it helps you discover what lacks in your understanding of the sufferings Jesus Christ experienced for his body, the church. This is the very reason that I've been made a minister by the authority of God and a servant to his body, so that in his detailed plan, I would fully equip you with the word of God. And I just want to tell you, I so personally, totally personally relate to verse 24 through 25. I feel that this is also my call. I feel like this is my time in 2020 to continue this ministry so that you, I can fully equip you, fully equip you with the understanding of the sufferings of Jesus and what he experienced for you. But verse 26 says, there is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations. But now back in Paul's day, it's being revealed unfolded and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Oh my gosh, these words are so powerful. Verse 27 says, living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ, Christ in you embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. God wants everyone to know it. Christ is our message. We preach to awaken hearts and bring every person into the full understanding of the truth. It has become my inspiration and passion in ministry to labor with tireless intensity with his power flowing through me to present every believer the revelation of this, ready? Of being his perfect one in Jesus Christ. Now I know I took a minute. I took a minute to read all of that, and I hope, you know, if you aren't able to watch the whole thing now, you'll come back and listen. Uh, I get it. Fast forward through this part if you don't want to read it. You just want to go read it on your own. But it was worth me reading. Why? Because most people just haven't heard what I just read. And I want to go back now to a couple of places. Uh, I want to focus in on verse 18 through 20. And this is the, the part when I was reading the Amplified Version that is really describing who Jesus is and what happened on the cross and the extent of what happened on the cross. Okay. In the amplified version, I'm going to just read it starting there. It says he is also um, in verse, we'll start here. Sorry. In 15, it says he's the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible, the firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign and originator of all creation. Okay. That's, There's more that I could say there, but most people could probably get on board with that. I mean, maybe they're not really thinking about Jesus being the creator, that he was the originator of all creation. I think we don't really think about Jesus being back in Genesis, but I'll just keep moving. It says, verse 16, for by him, Jesus, all things were created. So 
By Jesus, all things were created, heaven and earth, things visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created and they exist through Jesus, through that. That is by his activity. They, all these things exist by Jesus's activity and for him. And so the reason I'm stopping on this is because we don't think about Jesus being the cohesive force of the universe. Hebrews 1.3 says that we, he upholds all things by the word of his mighty power. We don't think about what happened to the universe on the cross. We don't think about the fact that Jesus, God was, you know, was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. We don't even think about what the world, that word in, in, that's been translated world means. In the Greek, it's better translated cosmos because there was a reconciliation that happened on the cross that is way more far reaching than we have been taught. Okay, we have been taught for the most part that the cross is a message about the forgiveness of sins. And when we believe in Jesus and we believe in the cross, that that is there's a there's a regeneration that happens in our in, in us right at that moment. We are born again and now we go to heaven. And now we read our Bible and now we do Christian disciplines like go to church and do Bible studies and pray and listen to worship music and that the world is evil and we should not listen to secular music. In fact, we should separate ourselves from everybody else. And if I'm just honest, uh, look at them as like sinners. And uh, uh, it's our job, by the way, also to make sure that they know that (laughs) I can just keep going on this, but we have a whole culture of Christianity that has grown up around a version of the gospel and an understanding of what Jesus supposedly did on the cross for you and for me that has led to a whole bunch of other conclusions and a whole bunch of other behaviors that are not the fruit of the gospel. And the truth of the gospel is found right here in Colossians chapter 1 when It says in other translations that God was in Christ reconciling the cosmos to himself. He was the father, the the Holy Spirit, Jesus. They were on the cross and they were reconciling the entire universe. They were reversing the fall. (laughs) They were undoing Adam. They were, uh, that's why Jesus is called the last Adam. They were literally obliterating what Adam and Eve did back in Genesis. And it did not just affect Jesus (laughs) on the cross. It did not, it was just not about Jesus being crucified. It was about all of humanity, the sin itself being crucified, not just sins, individual sins being forgiven. It was literally about Jesus absorbing and becoming the curse on the cross. And that curse did not just affect you and me, and every other person that has ever been born or will ever be born, but it affected the earth. It affected every aspect of God's amazing creation. And on that cross, Jesus was the undoing of Adam. It was the undoing of the consequences of his disobedience. It was his obedience that caused it to be reversed. And so the world we live in is different today. (laughs) humanity is different today because Jesus died. And this is not just for the the few of us that have heard the message of the cross. This is as far reaching as it could ever have been because in him, in him, all things are held together. He became the preeminent one. He took his rightful place of Lord over all. And over all is not just people. It is Lord over the quantum physics realm. It is Lord over the, the, the space and time dimensions. It is, it is Lord over every aspect of anything and everything that has ever been, ever will be, uh, it is it is beyond our ability to comprehend the lordship of Jesus Christ and what happened at that moment when he was on the cross. It is why in in First Corinthians that Paul said, "When I was among you, I was trying I wasn't trying to be a smart guy." I'm paraphrasing. He's like, "I just determined to know nothing, 
nothing when I was among you except Christ crucified. The more that you understand the cross, the more joyful and grateful and alive you become because you realize that it has been undone, <laughs> that the curse has been undone, that Jesus Christ has made us one and that all things now have been restored back to innocence. Oh, restored back to like it never happened. It's like it never happened. But that's not what we're taught. We are taught a sin-focused gospel. We are taught and programmed in sin consciousness and legalism. And we are taught us and them. And we are taught secular, sacred and secular. And we are taught a, a, a culture of fear, a culture of pleasing God, a culture of, of being afraid of the world and, and, and being corrupted you know, and, and in another translation, it says that we were just, we are just alienated from God in our minds. We're separated because of our, in the, in the passion translation, it says distant living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions that we were just under an illusion, under a delusion that we were separated, that we were alienated from God, that that was how we were in fact alienated from God. It was because of the way that we thought. It was because that we hadn't heard the news of what Jesus did on the cross. It's because we didn't know what happened to all of creation in that moment. We didn't understand. We thought that our origin was an Adam. We hadn't read the epistles. We hadn't read that our origin was being chosen in him before the foundation of the world. We didn't understand what the apostle Paul said in Acts that says in him we live and we move and we have our being. We didn't understand. We just, we haven't understood the far reaching universal effects of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Now, let me say this. I'm going to say it right here because when you read this and you start hearing me and you've grown up in Western evangelical Christianity, you start thinking, Shalise, what are you saying? Well, what I'm saying is everything that I've said. <laughs> and you can go back in Colossians and read it for yourself in any translation that you want to read it in. Go back to the Septuagint. Go back to the oldest translations. Go back to what the early church taught. In fact, I encourage you to become a Berean and study this stuff out for yourself rather than just take the Sunday school spoon-fed version of the gospel that we are we are fed every week and huh, the tradition of men the tradition of men a form of a form of godliness that denies the power thereof it is time to wake up church and recognize that what jesus has done is far more better and far more far more uh consequential than what we've been taught because he died once for all, it says in Romans 5. And the only thing that's left for us to do is to realize it, for us to wake up, for us to hear the gospel and say, oh my gosh, that's the best thing I've ever heard. That's why the apostle Paul could just share the gospel with people in the book of Acts. And all of a sudden they're praying in the spirit and they're talking in tongues and the, the Holy Spirit's falling on them. There was no altar call. There was no repenting of anything. It was just simply hearing this amazing news that Jesus Christ has reconciled the cosmos to himself and that we've been restored to innocence again. And when you simply hear that, you're just, it, 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 you experience it. The experience of it is what I almost just want to say, Freaky matters. <laughs> Sorry, I just am getting so passionate. I'm going to calm it down, take a drink. Hmm. Experiencing innocence, experiencing the reversal, having our minds renewed so that we have the fruits of righteousness be coming through our lives and that we are not just born from above, but everything is now. <laughs> In him. This isn't just about us living in Christ and the, the hope of glory being inside of us, that Christ in us is now in us. It's about Christ being the preeminent one and the cohesive controlling force of the universe. Now, let me back up for a moment because I really do want to, to talk about this for a moment because there is a reason why new age philosophy is so prevalent right now. And it's because really the church has done a really bad job. It's been done a really bad job of explaining what the truths, the truth of 
what Jesus has really accomplished for humanity. And so the New Age movement has come in and it has taken the truth of what Jesus has accomplished and it's removed Jesus out of it. And so that's why there's so much truth in the things that you hear, like when you watch things like The Secret or, you know, you just read, you know, you read certain authors or you listen to certain people that you just don't even know if they're Christian or not. And the reason is because the things that they, the principles that they are teaching are of the kingdom. They are teaching about, um, you know, that God is love. They're teaching things like, you know, the universe has your back. Uh, which, you know, is a book by Gabby Bernstein. They're teaching things of like, you know, the law of attraction and they're teaching, you know, how to manifest things. And, you know, as Christians, we are like, we see these things. And if you've been taught the word of God at all in from a, from a positive perspective, then, you know, those principles to be true, but the, here's where they miss it. They miss it because they think that God is the universe. They think the universe and God are synonymous things. And the universe and God are not synonymous things. In fact, in Colossians right here, it tells you very clearly that Jesus is the creator of the universe. He's the creator of the cosmos. And there was nothing created that was created apart from him. So Jesus is the creative force behind the universe. Not only that, he is the force or person that is holding it all together. And because the universe or the cosmos have been reconciled into God and we now live and move and have our being inside of him, okay, we've been restored to innocence. There is no sin consciousness in the New Age movement. They do not preach about sin nature. They don't, when I say preach, they don't teach, whatever you want to call it, about a sin nature. And they don't really believe in the devil. Uh, I think evil becomes like just, you know, and I don't know exactly how they present it or what exactly they believe, but the point is there's not a focus on it. And in the church, I can tell you, super focused on it. We've empowered a disempowered devil, uh, and we are warring against a completely defeated foe. And we magnify him. We exalt him above the knowledge of God instead of taking our thoughts captive. And we really think that the world is sinful. We think that we live in a fallen on a fallen planet. And we're taught that, that we live in a fallen planet. The, the, the fall of man is what's governing the universe. And it's a lie. It's a false gospel and it's a lie. And most people have not heard that. Most people have not heard that the, the world is not fallen anymore. In fact, in Romans 8, it says that all of creation is moaning and groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Why? Because it wants someone to stand up and recognize what has actually happened and be a son and be in the son and live one with Jesus and rule and reign from heavenly places over this reconciled universe, over this innocent planet again, so that heaven can actually manifest. This is such good news, and this is so far-reaching that we don't even know what to do to wrap our heads around it. And I get it. I truly get it. And I just need to see law, because I've said a lot. I've said a whole lot here, and I probably am, am blowing every theological little wire in your head right now. But it's okay. It is really, really okay. Um, it's totally okay. You know, you can't experience and you can't manifest what you have not been told. You can't experience and you can't manifest what you have not been taught. And it's okay. I just want to say it's okay. And the second thing is, is I want you to make a decision right now with the Holy Spirit, that you are going to detox. You're going to detox from all of the false gospel that you have ingested. You didn't know that you were ingesting it because it's all that you've been taught. But it is toxic. It is toxic to your relationship with yourself. It is toxic to your relationship with God. And it is toxic to your witness to the world and it is truthfully toxic to you discovering and fulfilling your purpose. Why? Because you cannot manifest something that you don't know about. And you cannot even work as a co-laborer in the kingdom if you are still operating out of this 
mindset of separation. And when I say separation, I mean good and evil. I mean separation from yourself, condemnation, separation from God, trying to please him, separation from the world because it's evil. I mean, this separation thought process permeates everything and it becomes a foundation upon which we build our lives and it's a wrong foundation. And so this foundation has to be restored and it has to be restored on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the, is the, is not, he's the foundation, the foundation of everything. He is the center of everything. He is the controlling force in everything. And he is completely permeating you, not just your spirit, by the way, which absolutely he is 100% occupying your spirit. It says uh, in Corinthians, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. I think it's like two, six, um, first Corinthians two, six, I think, but it's not just about your spirit being joined to the Lord and you being one spirit with him. Although it's absolutely about your spirit being joined to the Lord and you being one spirit with him. It's also about that every fiber of your being is now being held together by the cohesive controlling force of the universe, a guy named Jesus Christ, that your body has become innocent that you now stand before him holy and blameless in his sight. And now the question is, how are you seeing your body and yourself in his sight? He resurrected as a human being and he restored through the resurrection. Everything was reborn. Everything was recreated. We are a new creation and your body has been redeemed. Okay. It may not be in its resurrected state yet. It may not be a glorified body, but you go over to Philippians chapter three and you start to read Philippians chapter three, especially in the amplified version. And the apostle Paul goes as far to say that he is wanting to um, know his determined purpose is to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection to become so uh, to experience a fellowship of his sufferings, meaning to, to fellowship, to commune with the sufferings of Jesus on the cross to such a degree that he experiences resurrected life while he's still in the body, right? You go over to Colossians chapter three here, and I think it's just one couple pages over here. It says, verse one, Colossians three, one, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. And so there is a place of the resurrection. I'm not even talking about the resurrection today. I'm just talking about what happened on the cross. And I'm just talking about this reconciliation, that the reconciliation is complete. Every human being has been reconciled to God. Every Everything that was affected by the curse has been totally redeemed. And there is a new relationship that we have with everything. Everything is innocent. Do they know it? No. Are they alienated from God's in their minds? No. I mean, yes. Yes, they are. That's why they need to hear the gospel so that they can experience it. But that's a completely different message than we, we are taught in evangelical circles. And what I'm sharing with you, by the way, is not just the gospel and the Bible. All I've been doing is reading from the Bible, but it is what the early church understood. This is a Christ, what they call a Christocentric message. And this is not a doctrine of universalism. That is not saying everybody gets to heaven. This is called the doctrine of inclusion. And it's just glorifying what Jesus accomplished on the cross and what was included. And what was included was the entire cosmos. And so what this does is this changes the way that we operate in the planet. What does it mean to manifest sonship? What does it mean to manifest heaven on earth? What does it mean to manifest experientially what Jesus accomplished on the cross? What it means is that you and I are in the business of manifesting sonship. We are in the father's business of manifesting heaven on earth. And that manifestation looks like the father's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it means we have authority. We have authority over sickness and disease. We have authority over lack. We have authority over every single aspect of the curse. If it is manifesting in your presence, it is illegal. If it is manifesting in a human body, it is illegal. If it is, you know, I mean, I those little birds come and fly into my window sometimes. And I go out there and I command those birds to get up and live. They've been paralyzed and died before. It's illegal. It's illegal. Premature death is illegal. Why? Because it's not in heaven. And heaven has invaded earth. Not just invaded earth. It's, it's, it's permeated earth. It's, it's taken over earth. There is no separation between heaven and earth anymore. The, the, 
the garden has been opened. The, 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 the fiery, you know, cherubim that were there protecting the tree of life had been removed. The tree of life is a man and his name is Jesus. And we abide in him and we produce the fruit of eternal life, which is the fruit of the tree of life. And when we understand that, that we have dominion, not just dominion, but Jesus himself is, is occupying our skin. He is in us. He is for us. He is he has redeemed us. We are perfect. We are blameless. Do, do we have it all right? No, because our brains and our minds still haven't caught up. We're still to a degree alienated from God with our, what they say, the shadow of our evil thoughts and actions. We are still renewing our minds. And that's why renewing our minds is so, so important because as we renew our minds, we are transformed. We are transfigured and we now prove the good and acceptable and perfect and lovely will of God. And this is a revolutionary message. This is a, this is a, this got people crucified. <laughs> this got people, you know, King Agrippa thought Paul had lost his mind. This is a message that changes everything. It's, and it's for you. You aren't left out of this. You know, this, this is, this is all of us because we are all, we are all the divine idea of God. We are all his temple. And it's time that people wake up and are drawn back to Jesus. We are not out there with a sin-focused message, you know, turning America back to God because somehow we're going to legislate morality and get everybody to act right. That is not the way Revival happens. That is not the way transformation happens. It's a change of the heart. It's a change of, of everything. And I know I've said a lot today, so it's worth sitting with. I mean, I could talk to you about things like how manifestation works. I could talk to you about how, how, to, how to use your inheritance. Like, how do we take all of the things that says in Ephesians chapter one that have, have already been lavished upon us? How do, we, how do we take those things that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places and invisible places? And how do we manifest that? How do we experience our inheritance? I mean, I could talk about this. I literally could talk about this for 50 years. And I can't do that. I have to get off my Facebook live here in a minute. But what I can do is I can keep coming on here and keep teaching you. I can connect you to my podcast. You can download my book. You can uh, schedule a breakthrough call with our team. I mean, there's a reason why I've created Emerge School of Transformation. It's called School of Transfiguration. Why? Because I am called by God to work with people who are ready to manifest sonship, who are ready to do impossible things on the planet, who are ready to make a difference, who are ready to see the Jesus inside of them emerge and actually change the world. And this message, I know we all need to understand, but understanding it, experiencing it, manifesting it is a completely different way of living. <laughs> it is not church as usual. <laughs> it's why I passed it for eight years. And when it was, there was, that season was up, it was up and God said, no, it's time to do this school. It's time for you to be, uh, the apostolic influence that I've called you to have with the disciples that I'm sending to you. Uh, it's time for you to lead a tribe. It's time for you to you know, have a movement. It's time for you to change the world, Shalice, one world changer at a time. And, you know, my mission is simple. It's to get this message inside of you, but not just inside of you. It's to get it to an experiential level inside of you. I have to have you and help you come into a place where you're encountering Jesus for yourself through your union with him so that it's your revelation. You know, this is not something you read and you get. This is something you experience. And the Holy Spirit is the, an experiential teacher. He is an experiential truth teller. He gives you dreams and visions and he enlightens our spiritual um, eyes and our spiritual senses so that we can transverse all of the dimensions of the spirit and not be limited to our human intellect and our human understanding and our physical body. And it is an amazing transfigurative process, I don't know if that's a word, uh, that I'm leading people through. Uh, you're here, I know by divine purpose. I know you're here by divine appointment. And it's because it's your time to wake up. 
It's your time to wake up and it's your time to change the world. It's your time to transform, (laughs) transfigure so that the Jesus inside of you, the glory that's inside of you is recognized by you. Because the scripture that says the knowledge of the glory shall fill the earth as the waters cover the sea means that the knowledge of the gospel, the knowledge of the glory that's inside of every single human being, the knowledge of that is now spread through all of humanity. And this waking up process, you know, I talk about it in my book. It was like a series of wake up calls that I personally went through in my life before I surrendered fully to Jesus. Um, You know, this wake up call, this wake up process that I'm, you know, here to do throughout the world is, Lord, what do you mean to say about that? It's the most powerful thing. It's the most powerful thing to hear and to understand. I mean, it's, it's what has caused me to see miracles beyond what I have time to describe, to describe. I mean, instantaneously, uh, drug addicts being completely delivered, my own healing from bipolar disorder, my own uh, you know, diagnosis of that completely leaving, um, supernaturally having babies after, you know, multi-serial miscarriages, watching cancer be healed, watching people come off of dialysis, watching entire death homes be healed and emptied, uh, signs, wonders, miracles happening. Uh, why? Because the miracle worker and I are residing in the same space and it's my body and it's your body and waking up to that reality and recognizing that it really is finished. And so, I mean, I I could talk to you about the financial miracles and the manifestation of of money and and supernaturally to, you know, further the the destiny and the call of God on my life and not just on my life, but those that that I'm, that are, that are with me. I mean, the apostle Paul said, follow me while I follow Christ. And you know, the, the fruit of my life is not just in my life. And I'm not bragging. I'm glorifying Jesus Christ because it's not me doing it. It's not me producing those miracles. I didn't work a single miracle apart from Jesus. I didn't manifest a single thing apart from Jesus. However, I did abide in Jesus and those things did happen through my life. And it's experiential. It's experienced not just by me, but it's experienced by others. That's the purpose of fruit. Fruit is never for the tree. Fruit is to, to nourish others. And our lives are designed to be a testimony to what Jesus has done. And the fruit is to be enjoyed by others so that they too can experience it. And so, beloved, I just know I'm talking now a long time, but this is worth listening to more than once. This is worth telling your friends about it, having them join the group and having them listen to it. We try to take these a lot of times and turn them into podcasts. I'll talk to the team this one is definitely part, you know, worth doing that for. Um, there's a lot that I have to say. Uh, just so much that has, to ha- you know, that I have to say about the gospel and about who you are and about this time on the planet. And I've been in preparation for this for a long time. I've been, I've been sitting with this message. I've been sitting with Jesus. I've been being transformed and transfigured myself for over 20 years at this point. And it's your time. Why? Because you're listening. It's your time. It's your time. It's your time to awaken. It's your time to understand what Jesus has accomplished and what that means for you, what that means for the cosmos, what that means for the universe, what that means for all of humanity, uh, so that heaven can manifest on earth, so that the fruit of righteousness become tangible expressions through your life. This gospel message is transformative. Uh, It has power in and of itself to do the work. And so I bless you today. I bless you with just everything that I've spoken today becoming a tangible manifestation in your life. I release right now just an impartation of the Holy Spirit to make this your very own, for you to get a revelation, for you to have this become uh, your foundation, and for it to completely purify every other doctrine that you have ever been taught and to just flush out all the mixture of religion and all the mixture of, you know, just powerless, powerless versions of the cross. And I just decree and I declare over you that you're hearing the Holy Spirit like never before. And you are, you are being positioned. You are being aligned in this crazy time that we live in 
uh, in the body of Christ, uh, exactly where you're supposed to be. He sets the members in the body as it pleases him. And you're being put in position right now in Jesus' name. And you are understanding your purpose, understanding your destiny. And you are saying yes to the call of God on your life. And you are truly waking up and you are changing the world. And I thank you, Father, that this is not just me saying a nice little you know, pretty prayer today. That this is your prayer. This is your prayer and it is a powerful prayer. Because you're speaking it over your bride. You're speaking it over your body today. And I just release healing, Father. I even just release signs and wonders over people that have listened to this message today. If there's if there are sickness in their body, God, I just declare that right now, just as I was speaking, and even now as I'm talking, that the Lordship of Jesus Christ is manifesting. And you are the, the cohesive force that's operating in their body right now. And I just release the Lordship of Jesus into every aspect, every cell every, every atom, <laughs> every quantum particle in their body. I just declare there is no space for the curse. There's no space for anything but the manifestation of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in bodies today, God. And I bless them. I bless their, their, their finances with the manifestation of heaven's bounty. I bless uh, their relationships. I just bless every aspect of their being, God, because it already is. And so I just call it forth. I say manifest, come. And, uh, yeah, I just, I see the scene realm. I speak to you universe and I say, you know what? You don't have to moan and groan right this minute. You can stop for a moment because sons are here. Sons are here and they're manifesting. And so I just say, get into agreement with their manifestation and put the circumstances and do the things that you need to do so that the Lordship of Jesus Christ is glorified through every single person that's listening today. I thank you that it's a pleasure to partner with you, that you love to glorify Jesus and, 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 and that Jesus spoke to fig trees and he spoke to storms and axe heads swim because you are partnering with us, that th there's no separation and that, that we are designed, we are designed to work together to manifest heaven. And I thank you. I just, I just acknowledge the created realm. I acknowledge the laws that Jesus put in place that govern the created realm and the laws of the spirit that govern all of that. And I just acknowledge that. And I just bless all of the unseen realm and the seen realm too. And I thank you father that, yeah, that there's, there's all kinds of testimonies even coming out of uh, this live today. So anyway, you guys, I know I, there's probably a million uh, thoughts and questions on here, but we're out of time. I'm going to keep teaching. I'm going to keep, talking. I think we'll probably do some, some Q and a uh, times. Uh, I'll talk to my team about that so that we have a chance to, to do that. We might even do some Q and a calls or something if people really start having tons of questions, but I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help you experience union with Jesus, experience the reconciliation, uh, with, with the Trinity and with really all that God's accomplished. Um, have a wonderful day. I love you to the moon and back. And uh, I'm so glad that you're here. All right. Have a great day.